Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children's and Family Director. Whether you are online or in person, we are so glad to have you here with us. Well, it is really easy to blend into a crowd, right? To be just another face in the crowd, another number. But at Faithbrook, we don't want that to be you. We want to get to know you. So if you are newer with us, would you please grab that blue connection card from the seat pocket in front of you and uh, fill that out. And on your way out, you can drop it in the giving box. Um, if you are online, you can do that digitally by going to faithbrook.church forward slash connect. Well, at Faithbrook, our mission is to love God, love people, and to journey together. And a great way for you to journey together and love God and people, you can get it all, is through packing meals with Feed My Starving Children. Um, we have our outreach team, and they have reserved dates for Friday night, February 24th, and also Saturday morning, February 25th. Well, if you have not packed with Feed My Starving Children before, it is an amazing experience. Um, they really can show you everything about where your food goes and how you can impact others on a global level. Last year, we even took our six-year-old and had an amazing time. It was lots of fun, but also taught him so much. So if you would like more information, you can go to our website under events um, and sign up there as well. Otherwise, you can easily go to our Church Center app and get information and sign up. So whether you're young or old, it's a great opportunity and an awesome mission to be a part of. So let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we conclude our series, Five Questions. Has anybody in the house or online ever skydived before? Anybody jumped out of a plane before like 10,000 feet, right? Anybody wants, do you want to jump out of a plane sometime in your life? Okay, just look at those people and say, you're crazy. Yes. Well, several years ago, I had an opportunity to skydive. Uh, I wasn't planning on it, but uh, we had some friends that invited Terry and I up to this town in the north because this, this friend who was a grandparent uh, bought a couple tickets to take his grandsons to jump out of this airplane. And why don't you come up? It's going to be a family fun. And so we, we drove up there, and he was all excited. But when we got up there, he says, hey, one of my grandsons can't make it for some reason. We got this free ticket. Would you like to go skydiving? And that kind of took me off guard. I was like, oh, well, um, mm, maybe... Uh, let me think about it. Well, come on in, and, and the, the skydiver instructors are going to give us some instructions how this happened. So we went back in this, this hangar, sat us down, they put this video on, and uh, I've never done this before. I'm not really sure. So they're saying, well, what's going to happen is we're going to get you in this little plane, and you're going to go way up there, and we're going to strap you on to an instructor. You're going to be facing forward, and then we're just going to put our back, our front to you, and then strap you on because we got the parachute and we'll just take care of everything. You just hang on for the ride because we got you. So I'm thinking, so the way this works is, is that I'm going to put my full trust in some stranger, jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet and hope it all works out well. He's got to shoot and everything else. So I, I, to be honest with you, I probably chickened out. But um, they asked me, I said, you know, I've really never had a real desire. It, you know, I'm kind of a semi-risk taker. I got, I got some things I'd like to do adventurous, but that wasn't one of them. So I was like, eh, I, 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 no, I'll pass. You guys go have fun. And, and, and they went and, and did it. And I started thinking about, you know, this, 
this whole exercise of jumping out of the plane in tandem, tethered to a stranger or an instructor, really has to do with a lot of trust. It really has a lot to do with the fifth question that we're going to be dealing with today at the end of our series, Five Questions. Well, thanks for attending today uh, because we've been learning this last January about these five questions that Jesus used to disciple his followers. And these five questions would transform their lives and their hearts. It eventually transformed the world. And if we allow it, these five questions, if we exercise them us for ourselves, it can transform us. So let's take a, a little bit of review. The first one we talked about when Jesus um, asked him, do you understand what I've done for you? This was in the setting, the last supper that he took a form of a servant, started wiping their feet. And so at the end, he says, do you understand what I've done for you? Well, some of them caught on and said, yes, you, you did something nobody else wants to do. And we need to model that and, and continue with that. But that question can be bigger than just that event. That question can be exercised every day in our life. Do we understand what God has done? Do we pause and think about the greatness of God? Just starting with if you enjoy nature and the beauty, if you have some kind of resources and blessings in your life to give thanks to that. Do we understand what God is doing in us and through us and around us because he's working all around us. Do we have that vertical spiritual sense of understanding, appreciating what God is doing? Now, the second question was much more personal and profound. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because there's a lot of opinions about Jesus. There was a lot of opinions about Jesus back then. So he asked them personally, now, who do you say that I am? Now, today, there's a lot of, if you ask the average American, who do you say Jesus is? They say, some would say, well, he was a historical figure, uh, a religious leader, teacher. I, I kind of believe in him intellectually. Some people would say, well, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I believe he's important to me and my family. We kind of grew up that way. My grandparents were Christians. And yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on that cross. But that's just where it sits, kind of a tradition. But where Christ wants to, wanted to take his disciples and wants to take us, that it would be more of a, a lordship, that, we would be, that he would be the cornerstone. And so when he asked Peter and his disciples, who do you say that I am? He was looking for that level of dedication and that, that lordship in their life that they would totally trust and rely on him. Now, if that's true, then he wants us to listen to him. And so that's the... The third question, are you listening to me? And God is speaking. He doesn't usually speak through a, a PA system, right? But he has his way how he speaks, namely his word of God. When's the last time that you opened up the Bible and just kind of meditated on a couple of those scriptures? What are you trying to teach me here, God? What do I need to know? Many times he speaks through his, his church, his, his representatives, and there's some things that correspond with the Bible that we can have insight and just circumstances. God is speaking. Are we listening? And then last week was the fourth question, and this was a little bit uh, prickly, especially for Peter who denied Christ three times when he said to him, do you love me, Peter? I need to know do you love me? I know that you failed and you, and you denied, but he asked him three times, do you love me? Where, where are you at here, Peter? Where are you at? And Peter's heart would finally broke and says, God, you know all things. You know my heart. You know that I love you dearly. 
And then Jesus said, if that's true, if you really love me, then you got to do something about it. And for Peter was to feed the sheep, to teach people, to pastor people. And, and for all of us, God's asking the same thing because love requires an action. Love requires an action. So that's why he's driving at, do you love me? Now he comes, now we come to the fifth question. This has to do with belief. Do you believe? And he asked this question back in John, the middle of the gospel of John chapter 11. And this is the famous story about Lazarus who passed away. So John wrote it this way. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with his, his, her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he ran right away to him. No, the scripture says he stayed where he was for two days. And then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. Uh, this doesn't make sense. So why would he do that? Uh, Jesus, we, we got a really sick person over here. Uh, you're the 911. You're the first responder. Come quickly, right? And he didn't do that. Eventually, he arrives. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He, he passed away. He's, he's buried. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews come to comfort Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. He's, he's gone. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And you can just hear a little bit of tone in Martha's voice when she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's agitated. She's grieving. She's hurting. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You, you, you kind of do your thing, Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, and Martha answered, oh, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's, she's thinking, you know, uh, uh, heaven. She's talking about uh, the buried will rise and, and he'll transform the earthly body into a heavenly body. And Jesus said to her, oh, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die physically. And the one, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now here's the question that he points to. Do you believe this? This is a pivotal, profound choice in her life. Do, do you believe this? She's, she's trying to make sense of this. And in Martha's world, she's like, Oh, yeah, we're talking about, you know, the afterlife. We're talking about eternal life and, and heaven, things like that. No, Jesus like, I am the resurrection, the power of all things, the love of all things, life-giving, life-altering, that I want you to totally trust in me. Do you believe in this? Yes, his brother has been dead for four days, but for Jesus, he's like, you know, there's, Nothing so dead, so sick, so corrupt, so damaged that I can't recover, redeem, resurrect. Do you believe in this? Do you believe in me? I, I'm asking you, do you trust me? And this is kind of where we struggle, right? We look at our experiences, we look at circumstances, and, and it's hard to trust in that. It's kind of like 
strapping up to some stranger and say, just trust me, we're going to jump out of this airplane and everything's going to be all right. Really? Right? But Jesus was always asking, do you believe in me? I, I need to know where your faith is. I need to know where your trust is. There's a, an example back in Matthew 9. As Jesus went on from there, there were two blind men following him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had, when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, they're following, they're, they're asking, have mercy on us. We're, we're blind. We needed some help. So he turns to them and he asks this question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? In other words, do you believe that I have the power to heal you? And they replied, yes, yes. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. In the same chapter, in Mark chapter 9, another story of a person asking God, and really addressing this issue about belief and trust, there was his father who had a sick son. They were desperate. The only uh, resource and help was this mysterious man named Jesus from Nazareth that people were saying that he could heal. And, and, and so he finds Jesus, tracks him down, and, and he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I don't know who you are, but if you can do anything, please take pity on us and help us. Jesus was kind of amused at this. If I can do anything, you have no idea who you're in the audience with. You have no idea who I am. I just look like a mere man from a local town that people are talking about, but I am God in the flesh, reflecting my heavenly father. You see me, you see God, I can do anything. He says to this desperate father, everything is possible for him who, what? Believes. This is where Jesus is pushing all things are possible, but I'm looking for your faith. I'm looking for your trust. This is what Christ is driving at all of us. The scriptures tell us that the father instantly cried out, I do believe that I really appreciate this, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. Do you ever struggle with unbelief? Do you ever struggle with really totally trusting God? And, and believing, I, I think a lot of times that we want to believe, we want to have a high faith, right? But a lot of times we've seen a lot of, let's say, godly figures let us down. There's been people we trusted in and, and, and they uh, disappointed us so, or there were scandals. And many times we, we prayed for healings and breakthroughs and we're praying with all our might and it seems like there wasn't healing. Somebody passed just like in Lazarus. Sometimes we struggle. It seems like God's not winning. It seems like the darkness keeps creeping into our society. And if God was so great, wouldn't he stop this? And wouldn't there be more positivity and, and righteousness in our, our land? But it just seems like we're losing. And so we start losing our faith. But if we asked ourselves, hey, would I like to have more faith? If Jesus asked me, hey, do you want to trust in me? Do you want to strap on with me and be tethered and we're going to jump out of this plane and you're going to trust me? I got the parachute and the landing's going to be great. And you want to be brave, right? You, you want to say, yes, teach me. How, how do I do this? How do I have a great trust and belief in Christ? Well, I shared last week that sometimes I 
try to go to a local gym and have a little workout, right? I, I hope to have a, a couple of, of muscles and be kind of strong physically, but at the same time, I, I, I want to be strong spiritually. And I started thinking about how, how weightlifting and physical strength parallels a lot of times uh, with our spiritual strength. For instance, I've learned that if I'm going to be strong um, physically, then I have to pre-decide to put the work in. I, I can't just hope that I get strong physically or take a couple of pills and some magical thing happens that I'm, that I'm stronger physically. I have to put the work in. And so I've learned that on my calendar, these are the days that I'm going. I get in a routine. Now, I want you to know that, that it's not my default to, to love to work out, right? It's not like, like woohoo, I get to go in there and start sweating and pumping iron, man. There's aches and pains and strains. No, this is not my default. But if I'm going to get stronger physically, I got to pre decide that I'm going to do it. Just like it is spiritually, I got to pre decide that I'm going to trust in God. In fact, in my planner, uh, there's some notes that I'm very intentional about, that, that some personal goals that, that I'm trying to obtain and, and or some reminders, right? Because my default is not always to trust God. My default is like, well, that's not going to work out, right? I've, I've seen three times it didn't work out. So I have a little note in my, my planner that says the yes mentality. And every day, many times a week, I'll look at that and say, I choose to have, I call it a yes mentality. That God can do all things. That's what my Bible says. And sometimes you say, well, your experiences doesn't say that. God didn't do that and do this, right? But my Bible says and my Jesus says, all things are possible for those who believe. So I'm going to choose, just like I choose, to go to the gym and work out that God can do the impossible. I appreciate what Dan Bohai says. We can, choose our, we, can choo- we can trust our experiences or we can trust our Bible. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to trust the Bible. God said it. I'm going to believe it. He keeps preaching on this, and he's asking me, Jim, do you believe? Yes, I choose to believe. Just like I go to the gym and take um, a barbell or something, I'm going to choose to keep lifting that. Um, The Bible says without faith is it impossible to please God. The Bible says we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. Now, 90% of the people out there, Walk by sight. That's our default. That's my default, right? But I choose that I'm going to walk by faith. And, and you might not see the muscle in, in f- five reps, right? But I'm going to have faith that sometime, somewhere, my, my biceps are going to get bigger if I just keep putting the work in. If I keep just believing and trusting God, I'm going to trust in you. Before you know it, there's going to be some benefit. There's going to be some miracles. There's going to be some trust. That's how Jesus works. So you got to pre-decide to put the work in. Second thing, if we're going to get stronger physically, if we're going to get stronger um, spiritually, then we have to uh, master or practice alignment. And spiritually, we have to align with Jesus. Now, there's some um, personal trainers in the house. There's some personal trainers that, that might be watching, right? They know that you just can't go into a gym and just sling around a weight and hope that you're going to be strong. Form and discipline is key to maximum strength. So you better get things aligned, right? And let's say you're trying to build up the bicep. This all has to be aligned, and the form has to be correct to to have some results. And so you just keep pushing. You keep working. 
You don't want to be yanking this thing around. You're going to get hurt. And before you know it, if you have a correct alignment from your back to your legs to your, to your shoulders and arms, there's going to be some benefit to be aligned. And this is what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels. Remember, are you listening to, to me? Are you reading the word of God? Are you trying to pick out things that are for you? And so you look in the gospel of John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talks a lot about alignment. These guys are questioning, hey, Jesus, you're going to leave us. You're, you're, you're empowering us to kind of be your representatives. I don't know about this. And he says, well, there's power and belief coming your way, but you have to align. For example, in John 14, he says, I will, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. There's alignment going on right here. So he always, twice he says, you ask it in my name. Now, if you listen to me pray, maybe some other people pray, a lot of Christians will close their prayers in, in Jesus' name, amen. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we get this from Jesus' teaching. Uh, that's a signal to God, that's a signal to ourselves that we want it to be for God's glory. That's the formula here, that's the alignment that the Father may be glorified. Okay, this is, this is key. There's a gentleman that used to attend our church and they moved to, to the West Coast a couple of years ago. And he had this habit that after uh, there was a prayer time, um, the, the, whoever's praying out loud would usually close it in Jesus' name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He would always tag at the end, in Jesus' name. We'd be done with the prayer, in Jesus' name. And I was like, that's kind of strange. Nobody does that, right? Nice guy. And I started thinking about that. Why does he always add to the prayer? He's not even praying. He just kind of says, in Jesus' name. Well, it's a reminder to the group, the reminder, this is not about us. We're praying all these things in Jesus' name, not our name, and not for our glory. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer when he says, when you pray, you're asking for thy will be done. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many times do we kind of think we're trying to get our will, our, our kingdom? Is it for us? James brings this up. In the book of James, when he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Hey, man, we, we, we like pleasures, right? And this is the rub a little bit. But, so we have to take time, if we're going to get strong physically, to get the right alignment, to get the right form. And, and so while we're praying, God, are we in alignment with you? Are, are our hearts open to seeking your will? It's not that God doesn't want us to have pleasures. In fact, he will bring some pleasures in our life. But the first thing he wants us to do, are we aligning with his will and asking for his will. In fact, if you go back to the Lazarus story where this alarming news came and said, hey, there's a guy, he, your friend Lazarus, he's dying. You need to get over here. And he kind of delays for two days. People are complexed. What's up with that? Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In other words, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I got a master plan, okay? You have no idea what I'm dealing with, but I'm going to display one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible because it's going to be for God's glory, and he's going to ultimately pass. I think that's part of the songs we are singing about. Even though I don't know what's going on here, 
I'm going to trust in you. This is what Jesus is driving at. Do you believe in me? Even things don't make sense. I, I have a master plan. Sometimes um, I get a little bit um, concerned when I listen to some other preachers. And, there, and sometimes uh, other ministers kind of preach, I would say, on a tightrope of, of who, is, who is the center of the world, right? God or you, right? And a lot of times preachers like, man, God is going to give you your dream, your goals and your dreams. And I kind of cringe at that. It's like, be careful, man. Be careful. And people are like, yes, I want this amazing career. I want this amazing thing. And God's over here to supply my dreams. Mm-mm. I think the Bible's kind of the reverse, that, that God really wants us to, to help accomplish his amazing dreams, that we can partner with his amazing dreams. And I think this is where um, question number two comes in when he says, who do you say that I am? Am I just your co-pilot that when you're in need or you want something done that I come through for you? Or, or am I going to be your, your boss? Am I going to be your Lord, your, your cornerstone of your life? Because Jesus, in his gentleness, in his grace, but also he's very firm. He's always taken us someplace if we allow him to let him take you in your life. And let me just let you know what his agenda is, is, is that Christ wants to move us from self-centered to Christ-centered. He's trying to get us past our carnal selfishness, right? That is the default. That is, I want my will, right? To his will. And when we start seeking his will first, when we're broken and surrendered and open to that, some amazing things start happening in our lives. In fact, Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount, seek my king, my righteousness first, and all these other things will be added unto you. I've found in my life, if I can keep aligned with Christ, if I can predecide that I will trust in him, be surrendered to him, all kinds of little satisfying elements come into my life. I've always said that you put Christ first, it can be one of the most highly satisfying lifestyles in, in, in your life, in, in world time. You know, I think about that, that experience about the offer to jump out of the airplane. And I have to say that, that I, I, I didn't do it, right? But my friends did, and, and they climbed in that little airplane, and we all stood on the ground, and it took them forever to, to get up there, right? And there was just a little dot in the eye, and sure enough, they, they jumped out of the airplane. And, uh, you know, when they got in that airplane, we were all waving at them, kind of laughing at them, you know. They, they were a little serious. They're thinking the same thing. Right, I mean, know these instructors, but uh, they're asking me to, to connect with them and trust them, and they'll open the chute, and I'm just there for the ride. Yeah, that's right. So they're a little concerned, right? I'm sure when they jumped out of the airplane, they weren't smiling, right? I'm sure they were scared, right? I'm sure they're free-falling, and it's like, what's going on? All of a sudden, here comes that chute, boof. And about halfway down, they're now starting to realize I'm going to be okay. This guy knows what he's doing. I, I can trust that chute. And halfway down, they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. It's like a bird. I, I can see things. It's, and by the time they come to the landing, now they're landing in front of us. The instructor pulls those cords, and, and they just kind of flip up, and he just had a beautiful sliding stop right in the grassy field. They're coming up out of that field smiling. They're like totally had a joy of their life. And now if you go to their cabin, you'll see this picture, a grandpa and the grandson. They're like this, smiles on the face. Man, they did it, right? It was an awesome experience because they, they 
trusted that instructor. They allowed themselves to go for it. And now there's a blessing. Now there, there is an a, a, a amazing experience that they went through. But you have to pre-decide. You have to get aligned, right? And you got to believe. This is where Jesus was going with Martha. This is where he's going for the blind people. This is where he's going with that desperate father. Do you believe is the question. Now, some of you might be saying, now, Jesus, Jim, that's easy for you. You're, you're a preacher man, right? Uh, God's anointed you maybe, right? But it's not always easy. It's not always easy to believe in God. It's not always easy to, to strap yourself into a little plane and jump out at 10,000 feet, right? It's scary, no doubt about it. And the truth of the matter is, it's not easy to put the work in when it comes to the physical. It's not easy to put the work in when it comes to the spiritual. Uh, some days uh, I go to the gym and, and I'm not having a good workout at all, right? I'm, I'm pumping iron, I'm straining, and I'm looking in the mirror and say, well, that didn't do anything right? And it's just like, well, I don't want to do that again, right? And the question comes to me, are you going to do it again? Are you still going to have in faith in the physical workout? Are you going to still have faith into the spiritual workout? Doesn't the Bible tell us that we walk by faith, not by sight? Are you still going to trust in me, Jim? And you know, you might be discouraged out there. You might have been praying and trying to, uh, you know, try to follow Christ the best you can, and you've been praying and 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 it seemed like you can't hear God. It seems like that job didn't come through, that, that miracle didn't come through, and so you're slumped, and it's like, it's hard. Maybe there's been some disappointments, but Jesus is still asking me, Jesus is still asking you, even in our disappointments, even when we don't, don't understand, he's like, do you still believe in me? You know, Martha's brother, Lazarus, in that tomb, and he asked her, do you believe I'm the resurrection? Do you believe I'm the resurrection? So what do we do when, when the chips are down and it seems so dark and disappointing? You know, there's a couple of questions I ask myself when, when I'm in the ditch, when I'm confused and I'm down. And I don't understand. I thought I aligned. I thought I had the right form, right? I pre-decided and it seems like these prayers are not happening. I have to come back to what is true. So here's a couple of questions I would submit to you today. Number one, I ask myself, is it true that God loves is it true that God loves? Well, 1 John 1 says God is love. If I believe in my Bible that God didn't have to come to this earth and send his son, but he did. He didn't have to crawl up on that cross, but he did. How he treated people, how he uh, ministered to people. It's true that God is love. He is love. I'm going to stand on that even though I have some doubts. Second question, is it true that God knows what is best? Is it true, Jim, that he knows what is best? Or, or do you know more than God? Ooh, well, it's probably true that God knows best. Yes, um, it is true. The Bible tells us that our thoughts are not always God's thoughts, right? That God has a master plan. Romans 8 does tell us that in all things, God is going to work out for those who love him and called according to his purpose. My job is to continue just to trust and pump the iron. My job is to say, I don't know if this is ever going to get bigger, but I'm going to put in a few more reps, a few more reps. I'm going to be disciplined and say, God, this is how we do it, right? Keep it aligned. Keep it straight. May your will be done. I'm going to trust in you and see what happens. See, it's about trusting God. 
And when we trust God, God triumphs. Trusting God, <clears throat> when we trust God, God triumphs. That is so key in our life, in our days, when we trust God in all, on all things. There's a, there's a powerful scene in, in the um, Chosen. How many of you have seen the Chosen TV cinema series? I highly recommend this series. The first season is on YouTube. Uh, after that, you ought to get the app, The Chosen. It's a, we're on season three. Our small group, life group, has been doing this for our devo- devotion. So I was intrigued by this scene. This is Jesus having a conversation with this guy. It's called James Celeste. He's one of the disciples. And so in episode two of season three, this is, uh, I think, uh, Mark 9, where he has all disciples, and he is commissioning them to go out and preach in his name. And you have to understand, they're all kind of newbies. Uh, they're kind of rough. They're not educated, not refined. And so they're all in this kind of living room. He says, okay, here's your new assignment. You're going to go out to all the byways, and you're going to preach the gospel, preach about me, and there's going to be some awesome stuff. There's going to be some, like, healing, and you're going to be casting out demons, and you're just going to take the kingdom to the world. <laughs> and in this scene, it's a beautiful thing. These guys are just like, whoa, whoa, you want us to do what? <laughs> we, we don't know how to preach. Uh, we're just starting this thing. You're, you're crazy. We're scared to death, right? And he's like, oh, no, you're going to be fine. Uh, so you're going to get out there. Just start healing people, casting out demons. It's going to be fine, right? And so he says, okay. It's like a huddle. Break. Go. Right? And they all disperse. They got their little assignment. Well, this guy, James the Less, he kind of tracks down Jesus. And he's like, excuse me, uh, master, uh, rabbi, could, could we have a conversation? And in the, in the setting, it's just a, a beautiful how they did it. Uh, uh, Dallas Jenkins produced it, directed it. Jesus turns, yes, James, how, how can I help you? He's like, hey, you know, you told us that you want us to go out there and preach and you're going to tell us to, to heal people in, in your name. But he says, I, I got an issue. What, what is that, James? He says, you know, I, I'm wondering how you want me to tell people that you can heal when I have not been healed. I have not been healed. You can't see it, but, but he has this... Uh, a rod, a staff that's helping him to walk. He's kind of crippled, right? And it, that doesn't make sense to me, Jesus. And, and one of the things he says to Jesus, he says, you know, you've healed other people. I've seen that. But you haven't healed me. You haven't healed me. And now, what's that look like when I'm telling people you can heal and the presenter hasn't been healed? Powerful question. Powerful scene. Jesus turns to him and says, James, healing is greater than the body. Healing is greater than the body. We always think that God has to show up and heal us physically and make everything easy for us. But Jesus wants to take us deeper. That it's not always relief. It's not always comfort. That there's some substance, there's some significance in healing our mind and our soul. Not always to just give us relief. And, And so... James keeps tracking a little bit, and he keeps teaching James in this private manner. He says, James, your, your story is even greater than the other disciples. What do you mean by that? He says, man, when you get up there and say, I still believe, even though I haven't been healed, but I believe for your healing, I believe God can do it, people are going to listen to that. What, what kind of level of faith is that going to look at, right? Jesus goes on and talks about, he says, you know, blessed are those who believe because you have seen, okay, but he says, blessed even more the people that believe when they have not 
seen. You and me, we did not see Jesus physically. It takes a little bit more faith to believe. But he says, that's those who are blessed. And James, you're going to be blessed. Your ministry is going to be blessed because of your limitations, your disability. You have some authenticity right there when you're talking about people hurting. And he starts walking away. And then he, he turns to James and says, oh, yeah, James, never forget that you will be healed. He's speaking to heaven. Your day is coming where there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sorrow. And you will have eternal life in a heavenly body. Don't forgive that. But right now, James, this is what he's asking him. Do you believe? Even in your infirmities, even in your, 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 your illness and damage and hurt, that I can do great things through you. Jesus is saying, when we trust, I'm going to triumph. There's going to be a triumph. So I would encourage you, encourage myself, that we first have to decide, right? we got to pre-decide. I, I, I preached this before. I called it crazy faith, right? I, you know, I know my muscle's nothing, but I'm still going to keep pumping. Why are you doing that? God doesn't show up. I've asked him three times. Yeah, but I'm going to do it 15 times, right? And before you know it, oh, there could be a muscle, right? There could be a triumph. There could be a, a miracle, right? Because we're going to pre-decide and we're going to align with God, not my will, that we cry out for his will. And thirdly, let me offer you this. Reject passivity and trust him boldly. Reject passivity. Now, I have to admit, when I was offered to get in that plane and and skydive, I was passive. I I, I passed on it. Right now, looking back on it, I was like, man, that could have been a better preaching story, right? If I would have jumped out of that plane, all this courage, right, all this experience, but I didn't, right? I, I was passive. I think Jesus wants us all to be bold in our faith. In fact, when we go back to the original story of, of Martha and Lazarus, Jesus asked Martha, you know, do you believe on the resurrection? She says, yes, I believe that you are the resurrection. You're the Messiah, the son of God who is to come. That was the right answer, Right? The scriptures tell us back in John that he moved to the tomb. He was deeply moved. It was his friend that died. It was his friend that was captivated in this tomb. And they rolled this giant stone uh, across it. And so Jesus says to the people around there, take away the stone. And, and Martha's like, uh, excuse me, uh, but Lord, he, he's been dead, right? In fact, the scriptures tell us by that time, there's been an odor coming out and around that tomb. There, there was decay this carcass in there. He's like, take away this, the stone. And he kind of rebuffs him. He says, did, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord? Did I not tell you that if you believe, there's going to be some triumphs, there's going to be some miracles, right? So they took away the stone, the scriptures tell us. He looks up to heaven. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Not that I know that that you didn't hear me, but I say this so that other people know that we are one, that they may believe it's a test. And when he said this, the scripture says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. He was mummified basically here. So Here comes this mummy coming out of this grave. And Jesus tells him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
They are astonished. It's one of the biggest miracles in, in the Bible. He, this, this man that's been dead for four days is now alive. They are experiencing a true-to-life miracle. Their faith is rising. God is triumphing right in front of them. See, I think God wants miracles to come in our life. I think God wants us to experience some miracles. Maybe you've experienced some miracles. Maybe your miracle is coming. But somewhere this comes to that question, do you believe? Are you willing to pre-decide to just choose to believe even though it doesn't make sense? Are you checking your motives, right? Are you aligning with me? And then somewhere you got to reject passivity and you got to trust in me. And next week is our Vision Sunday, and I've been praying, God, what, 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 what do you have for our church? I believe that God put us on this corner for a specific location for a specific uh, day in, in our society and culture. And so when I start praying, it gets pretty scary, right? Because God keeps tapping on me, Jim, do you believe? Do you believe in triumphs? Do you believe in greater things? Are you willing to trust me? I'm like, oh boy, what does that mean, right? Are you willing and only until we're willing to stretch out when we trust God that God triumphs. I'm going to encourage you to come next week and just see what God can do in us and through us for this very time. But personally, it's going to take some boldness from me. It's going to take some um, rejection of passivity and just instead of coasting to be intentional and passionate about greater things for God because the world needs greater things for God. But what about you? What are you asking God for that's going to take some faith and belief in? Are you writing those down? Are you trying to line them up with God's will? Are they kind of risky? Are they kind of far out? Maybe God hasn't come through in the last two months or two years. Are you, are you still praying for that person? Are you still praying for that, that breakthrough and that decision in your life? I would encourage you to write them down. I'd encourage you to just keep Trust in God, I'm going to choose to trust in you. I don't understand. I don't know if I ever see the miracle, but you tell me not to trust in my experiences, but trust in what you say in the Bible, who you are. So I'm just going to keep my form. I'm just going to keep pre-deciding. I'm going to keep believing boldly with a yes mentality. God, you can do all things. Nothing is impossible with you. Ephesians 3.20 says he can do immeasurably more than what we could ever imagine according to the power that is working within us. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to continue. Now, I'm old enough, my friends, that I got plenty of war stories that said, oh, yeah, God did come through. Oh, yeah, there was a triumph. Oh, yeah, uh, there was a miracle. I got evidence to prove that. But it took a while, took a while. And I still, in my age, has to say, God, I want to be brave. I want to be courageous. I want to see what you can do. I want to trust in you. So where do you need to be bold? What are the things that you are believing for God, I'm asking, I'm believing, I'm going to be a person full of faith. Let me close with this pretty cool story that happened a couple months ago. Many of you are familiar with the uh, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, that collapsed on the field. It took the uh, sports world by storm. It was a, 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 a major uh, event. Uh, the guy practically died on the field. Uh, thank goodness there were some uh, physicians and some trainers that rushed over, immediately started uh, giving him CPR. 
saved his life. And that night, they rushed him out to the hospital. They didn't know if he would live or survive. They had no idea what his, uh, the damage would be from his, his lack of oxygen, etc. And so the next morning, uh, the newscasters were coming on. And ESPN, you know, of course, the world-renowned um, uh, sports channel, uh, was time for them to broadcast well, what's the latest. And so there's a couple of anchor um, broadcasters there. One was Dan uh, Orlowski, who, who is uh, very accomplished, uh, and he had the, the, the challenge to, to share the latest with DeMar Hamlin. Well, I heard this story on Paul Allen. Anybody know who Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, right? Well, four years ago, five years ago, Paul Allen had a, an encounter with Christ, and he became a hardcore follower of Christ. And now he's got this podcast I listen to. It's called Faith and Goal. And he had this broadcaster, Dan Orlowski, uh, if I'm saying this name right, uh, uh, on his podcast because um, Dan Orlowski prayed for DeMar Hamlin on, on national television the next morning, just threw down this beautiful Christian prayer for, for healing the DeMar Hamlin. And so... Um, Alan is, is asking him, man, that, that had to be scary. Did you get any pushback? You know, people just don't do that on secular sports channels. They don't, they don't pray in Jesus' name. They don't, you know, do a Christian prayer just offhand. And he says, yeah, I was nervous. And so Dan started sharing about his journey. He says, you know, I, I was your average jock. I, I got into football. It's pretty good. I even made it to the NFL, but God was after me. And was in a locker room in a chapel service when the minister was challenging us and really asking us, where is Jesus in your life? And I knew secretly, privately, I was messed up. There was some darkness and some regret. And, and I made a decision by faith to let Christ have my life and do the best I could by following him. And I became a, a follower, a born-again Christ Christian. Eventually, Dan got out of <clears throat> football and he made it into the pro- broadcasting and did so well. That he now is the anchor guy on, on the mornings after the game. And, and here's this issue. And people all around the world are wondering if this Jamar Hamlin is going to survive. And people are, are really brokenhearted because of, of what happened. And so he says, man, it just got on my heart that I should pray for him. But I'm like, man, that's not my job description. And uh, we don't do that. And, and he says, I wasn't sure. But I just felt like, man, I just need to go for it. I just need to, to just say, man, let's have a prayer time right here on, on national TV in the ESPN Center. And so he calls his producer, who's probably not a, a, a believer, and says, hey, I'm, I'm driving in. I, I know Hamlin's going to be on, the, on the, the first edition and stuff, and I'm, my heart's heavy. And I was wondering if it would be okay if I just uh, used my faith and just prayed. And the producer was caught off guard, he said. And the producer's like, well, I, I'm not sure, but you know, we want you to have the freedom, kind of do your thing. And, and he says, well, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this. I'm not sure, but I just want to give you a heads up that, that I might just do this. And the producer's like, well, you need to talk to your, your co-anchor uh, person. Uh, you, know, you don't want her caught off guard and might offend her or whatever. And he says, yeah, I'll talk to her. So he shows up to the office and he says, I know what's on the docket. We're going to be talking about DeMar. My heart is heavy. I'm, I'm a, a Christian, a Christ believer, and I just want to pray for him. And, and uh, would it be okay uh, if, if I took time in our broadcast to pray for him? And the lady was gracious and said, well, you do what you had to do. And, and he's telling Paul Allen, he says, man, the whole time, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. Nobody's ever done this. I might speak wrong, say things wrong. I'm not a preacher kind of thing. So it comes to that story and he's sharing and, and of course, his heart is broken, and spirit just 
um, compels him to do something bold and courageous. And so he just throws down this beautiful prayer for Damar Hamlin. Would God, would you just heal him in your name? Would you just cover him and, and touch him and, and recover him? It's just a gracious, beautiful prayer. And amen, right? everybody's holding their breath now. The producers are holding breath. And Paul Allen say, man, what happened? You get a lot of pushback, right? And he says, well, I got some maybe. Some critics were like, hey, that was, that was inappropriate, right? That's not the time to, to share your religion. But I just had to be courageous and bold and reject passivity. And he says, but you know, I got a lot of positive feedback. The whole sports world heard that prayer and they started talking about it. I heard about it and it went over the airwaves and on the headlines of this. I didn't even know who the guy was, right? And he shared about this bold move of praying and he says, I've got so many um, talking points of people saying, man, that encouraged me. That inspired me. I now also want to be courageous, especially for people who are hurting in the pray. And it was a very positive. My friends, that's a great example of when we trust God God triumphs. And by the way, Damar Hamlin did recover, and he's doing really well. So this morning, as we conclude this this series, I'd like for us to just stand and close in prayer that we also would trust God so that God can triumph. Gracious God, we first pray that you'd forgive us of our unbelief. Forgive us, God, so many times we have chickened out. So many times we just defaulted to what was easy, defaulted to our experiences, defaulted to to low uh, level of faith. Help us to strap on to you. Help us to have the courage to say, God, I'm going up with a plane with you. I'm going to trust in you. You are going to hold me. You're going to carry me. And I'm going to jump out in full faith with you. And wherever you take, God, me in my life, wherever things fall, I'm going to believe for your best. I'm going to believe that your will is going to be done. And ultimately, it's going to be the best for me and my family, God. I'm going to trust in you. I'm looking forward to the miracles. I'm looking forward how you respond and, and you uh, give to those who are courageous for you and diligent to you. Help us to be like that, God. We ask it in Jesus' name for your will. Amen and amen. Well, God bless. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for attending. We'll see you next Sunday at Vision Sunday. You're dismissed.